And good morning again. Good to see everybody out this morning. Uh, let's see here. Our hymn of invitation this morning will be number 321, Jesus is Calling. And I think Ernie and Lisa had planned on, you guys still going to have children's church for anyone 12 and, 12 and under. We encourage you to go over for children's church this morning uh, as well. And certainly good to be here. Uh, again, I want to uh, welcome everyone. If you're logging into Facebook Live, good to have you with us. Uh, on YouTube later on, certainly good to have you with us in whatever <coughs> capacity that you're able to be here. And uh, certainly it's always a privilege for me to share in God's Word with you. And uh, certainly uh, coming off of this, uh, recovering from this virus, uh, just makes it all the more a privilege as well. You probably know, I'm not sure if you're like me, I've not kept up a lot with the uh, Tokyo Olympics uh, this year. <clears throat> I, I normally do. I'm a, I really enjoy watching Olympic competitions, but there's been so much controversy surrounding this year's Olympics. Uh, it's kind of turned me off on them, but they're in, in full swing and plenty of, of drama going on. Uh, the women's soccer team is still protesting. Uh, we have track and field athletes that's protesting. Uh, gymnast has dropped out uh, due to the pressure of competition. And I only mention those uh, because that's what you're seeing on the headlines. And that's the stories that you keep getting pumped into you. Uh, but I did find one story, and I had to dig for it. And unless you have yourself dug around for it, you probably know nothing about uh, the United States women's softball team. Uh, you probably know that, that we have a softball team, uh, and, uh, but you probably know very little about those ladies and their story. And that inspired me, uh, an article that I found inspired me on this sermon. Now, we have the, uh, these four ladies are mentioned in this article, and I'm going to read the article through, and I've got them in order of their, of their names being mentioned so you can put the face with the quotes. Uh, and I'll just share this with you. It says, the U.S. softball team had their hearts set on winning gold at the Tokyo Olympics this year, but failed to Japan, ending the game 2-0 to and winning the silver medal. Though the American women had hoped for better, they walked away proud of their efforts and grateful for the chances to play at the Olympics. Several team members shared that it's difficult to accept defeat but they know God has a bigger plan for them. Outfielder Janie Reed says she put her faith first when coping with the downfalls of playing for the professional sports. Going through times of fear or disappointment is not easy, but we know we can know God will use us through those times to produce perseverance in us. It's up to us to decide if we're going to use these situations to find joy. Knowing God has a lot of fruit to produce in us as a result. Reed continued, I feel so blessed to have such a spiritual powerhouse of women around me, but I need to stay connected to them. They help keep me accountable, and I can do the same. Catcher Aubrey Monroe 
describes herself in her website bio saying, I am a believer in Jesus Christ and that through him all things are possible. Monroe says playing in the Tokyo Olympics was a gift from God and she has no regrets. God has used softball to mold me, teach me, and ultimately to save me. She shared this. Forever grateful for that gift and forever grateful for friends that are the kindness of God personified and teammates that have helped me to run this race. Slugger Kelsey Stewart, whose Instagram bio includes the phrase, Sister in Christ, hit a walk-off homer to send the United States to the final Olympic match. And of course, losing the goal wasn't what she had dreamed of, but she posted that she is still blessed and highly favored. And pitcher Kat Osterman wrote on Instagram that it was an honor to represent the United States of America and the journey was well worth it. I am proud of the fight, passion, belief, and effort this team put into every single pitch of these Olympic Games. I gave my all to this journey, this team, and this organization, and I'm leaving USA Softball with even a bigger family. Osterman, who is 38, is considered a veteran in softball, but continues to inspire younger players by reminding them that all things are possible with God. I'm not young, but a reminder to those that are that your age doesn't keep you from doing great things for the kingdom of God. She wrote on her Instagram page, you can be a light, an example, and a doer regardless of your age. In the post, she also referred to 1 Timothy 4, 12, and that's where Paul wrote to Timothy, uh, encouraging him with these words. He said, let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. Let no one look down on your youthfulness. She was encouraging those younger players. The players are so passionate about their faith that they even launched a softball ministry. Reed and Monroe are among a group of national team players who started Church on the Dirt. The mission is combined faith and athletics to share God's word with coaches, families, and athletes when they are unable to attend church. You didn't hear that story nowhere, did you, on the national news? Sharon's shaking her head, and that's good. But the, for the general, the most part, you, don't, you won't hear that kind of story. They want to keep us uh, believing that we are all divided and that there's nothing but protest and there's no good. And I am so proud of the example that these ladies have set through their softball and through what they're able to do. They went to win the gold medal, no doubt about it. But that was not their main goal. It's obvious to me that the main thing for them was honoring God with their talent. It's what they were striving for. They're using the talent that God had blessed him, them with to honor him. And they, they were blessed enough to go to the Tokyo Olympics and, and represent not only our country, but represented our God. So with that example, the title of this morning's sermon and the question that I want to ask and today's sermon may not be the longest sermon, but I hope for it to be one of the more encouraging sermons that I've delivered in some time, is what are you striving for? What is it that you are striving for? And that's the question that I want you to think about and ask yourself. Paul writes to the church at Philippi 
in Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 16. Listen to what he says here. And remember, this is Paul, the Apostle Paul, the one that's responsible for Gentile churches around the world, which means us, the one that, that uh, Jesus prepared and sent him out to preach to the Gentile. He says this. He says, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I might apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Jesus Christ. Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. And if anything you be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us mind the same things. Paul said he hadn't achieved it. But he had to still reach out and press toward the mark, the high calling of God. And that's what we have to do ourselves. That's what we have to be striving for is pressing toward that mark, pressing toward that high calling of God, using the talents and the abilities that we have to bring honor to God himself. Now, that's very much uh, what Jesus is talking about in Matthew chapter 6, verse 3, he records, or 33 rather. He says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Very much the same thing that Paul's talking about. We have to be seeking out God's kingdom. We have to be seeking out to bring glory to God, and everything else will fall into place. Everything else will fall into place. But our world, this world that we live in, uh, is so upside down, so backwards in according to God's word, according to the truth of God's word. I don't know how many of you logged in on Wednesday night as we studied through Matthew chapter 25. But in Matthew chapter 25, which is uh, the last evening that Jesus gets to spend, or last day that Jesus gets to spend with his disciples and is teaching them, he's teaching them in the parable about the ten virgins. Five who were prepared and five who were not. And then he goes on and teaches about uh, a master leaving for a far country and, and leaves talents, five, three, and one, with servants. And then he goes on as he concludes chapter 25 to teach about reaching out to those people who were sick and who gave water when he was thirsty and sick and, and uh, in prison or in poor health. And in that whole chapter, Jesus is teaching us just exactly what Paul is talking about here, that we have not attained it. And then what he even reminds us in, in Matthew, that we have to seek first the kingdom of God, just like those virgins. And I want to encourage you. I didn't put any references up on, on the screen to this scripture because I want you to look at chapter 25. And I want you to understand what Jesus is trying to teach to us. Half of the people that thought they were Christians and thought they were good to go were really unprepared. And half were ready to go in and meet Christ. 
And once that door was shut, it was never reopened. Even though people had good intentions and they wanted to go and, and they actually did go and, and buy the oil or whatever supplies that they needed in this parable, when they returned what they thought they were prepared, the door was never reopened to them. And that tells us how important it is that we prepare ourselves into service for God, and that's by accepting Jesus Christ as our Savior. And then secondly, he goes on to teach with the talents, and, and certain uh, servants receive more talents, and some all the way down to just one, and the ones that receive the most talents returned God, returned the Master with the most interest on that money. In other words, they used their talent to glorify their Master. And we have to do the same thing. And it doesn't matter if you have great talent or if you have just a little bit of talent uh, or only one talent, God expects us to use that to bring glory to his kingdom. And if you go and look, you see that the, the one servant that received five talents, he returned five more talents back, doubled uh, the master's money. And, and the one that received three did the same thing. But one that only had the one talent hid that talent did nothing with the talent and was rejected by the master. You don't have the option to serve, folks, if you're a Christian. If you're truly seeking out the kingdom of God first and then allowing all those uh, and his righteousness and allowing all those other things to be added to you, you don't have the option to say, I'm not going to work for my God. It's the same as not being prepared like the virgins weren't prepared. It's the same as hiding the talent because you feared the master that your talent wouldn't be good enough. And then when you look at the end of chapter 25, you see the people that need to be reached out to, and that's the people that society rejects. And that's exactly who Jesus reached out to while he was here upon this earth. Jesus reached out to all of the people that society rejected. All the people that society says is not worthy. And that's where he went first. To show and to share the love of God. And we have to be willing to do the same. And I, and I have to say, this congregation does a great job. We reach out and we try to provide for those that are in need. But we have to even, we can't just allow that to be enough, folks. To where it's, I, I give money to the church and the church takes care of that for me. Because God wants you engaged. He wants you engaged with people so that you can help to change their life through your witness and through your testimony. Which takes us all the way back to the first parable. We have to be prepared. And we have to be willing to use our talents. And that's what inspired me when I read about this softball team. They use their talents, young and older. 38 years old in softball is pretty old in any professional sport. But yet she was a rudder, a guide. She encouraged those younger girls, and it's obvious to me she had an effect on them as well. Not necessarily so much in softball, but in their spiritual growth. And I think it's encouraging to me to know that uh, aside from all of the propaganda that we hear on the news and that you read about and you listen to on the radio about all the division, and you would think, if you listen to that, you would think there is no good going on in the world. But I shared that story about Bob and his experience yesterday. Someone he didn't even know was like the Good Samaritan. And that's what Sue Ann shared with me. She said, it's just like the, the, the story of the Good Samaritan came right out of the Bible because that's exactly what had happened. 
And those girls, and though I had kind of shunned the Olympics because I didn't want to hear all the controversy, I didn't want to add to all of that controversy, I felt ashamed because there was a team out there that was representing God, and I wasn't supporting them. And that's what we have to realize and not be distracted in this world that we live in. We can't be distracted from all the things that's going on around us and remove ourselves from what God expects us to be doing. We have to remain engaged because we live in a backwards world. Young people, uh, I encourage you to understand that, that we live in a world that is contrary to what God's Word says. It glorifies what God says is an abomination. It calls evil what God's Word says is good. And just because an elected official or society as a whole proclaims something doesn't mean it's the truth. The only truth that can be proclaimed is the truth that's in the scriptures. And that's what we have to hold to. So we have to understand something. We have a great responsibility about our priorities. This world has priorities backwards, upside down, and missed, uh, uh, laid at the very best. But what we have to realize and understand as Christians, folks, and what you have to realize if you're on Facebook and on YouTube and, and whoever gets the opportunity to hear this message, the, the priorities that we make in our lives, our kids see. Our kids watch. And our grandkids watch. And our nieces and our nephews. And the, and the young people that we come in contact with, they see what our priority is by what we do and how we live our lives. And if serving God is not a priority in, in mom and dad's life, rest assured it will handicap them about being a priority in your child's life and grandchild's life or niece and nephew. When you prioritize, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to make mine. That's what the world tells you to do. Go out there and get yours at all cost. Become successful according to what the world says is successful. And then if you have time, then if it's convenient for you, you can do your religion thing. That's backwards, folks. That's backwards. We first, just like Jesus said, we must seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness first. And then all those things will be added to us. Instead of chasing those things around, hoping that God is going to sanction our actions, he'll never sanction anything that puts him second. And that's what we've done in this nation. We've put God second or third in our lives. We, we want something else first. And then we'll, if we have time, we'll do that religion thing. Continue to remind you of 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. If my people, that's us, that's Christians. Do you understand that? He's not writing and talking to here people that do not have Jesus Christ as their Savior, people that do not know God as the King of creation. He is talking to His people, okay? So if we think that we've got it all together and that we're all that, we need to, to listen to this word here that I'm reading to you this morning. If my pe people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face. And then what's the next line? Turn from their wicked ways. Then, then, and only then will I hear. 
We've got to prioritize what God's word says is truth. If God says that we have to humble ourselves and pray, if God says that I am living some way, some shape, form, or fashion in a wicked way, I have got to turn from that before he's going to hear me. Amen. And that's what this nation has to do. That's what this county has to do. That's what this state has to do. That's what every home in America has to do. We have to turn we have to turn from our wicked ways, which puts God second and not prioritizing Him first and foremost in everything that we do. That's a wicked way, folks. If there is anything in your life that is primary over God, you're living in a wicked way. Simple. It's not me telling you that. I'm just reading it to you out of the Scriptures. Then will I hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. God has the power that quick to take away this pandemic. God has the power that quick to all of this turmoil, strife. It can be resolved. We have to do something first. And that's what I want us to strive for is we have to seek first the kingdom of God in every house in America, in every house in Kentucky, in every household in Laurel County, in every household in Keedy, we have to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and allow Him to add what He desires to add to our lives beyond that. We have to make God our priority. We have to strive. We have to reach. We have to press toward that high calling of God. Husbands have got to lead their families. Wives have got to honor their husbands by following what God's word says to do. Children have to honor their parents. Older Christians have to teach younger Christians in the right way to go. And we have to strive with maximum effort to seek the kingdom of God. There's going to be no change until that happens. There will be change someday. The trumpet will sound. And Christ will return. And there will be five virgins that's ready over here. There will be five virgins over here that's going to be unprepared. And they're going to knock at the door. And just like Jesus says, I never knew you is what good people, because they made God the second priority instead of the first, are going to hear. I don't want no one to hear those words. I don't want anyone in the sound of my voice or that gets to watch this at some time to hear the words, depart from me, you worker of iniquity, I never knew you. Not because I didn't do my job. And that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to preach the truth of God's word. And you can either let it work in you effectually or you can reject it. And I can't do anything for you. But we're all going to stand in judgment someday. It says in the Bible that each man is appointed once to die and then the judgment. We will all stand in judgment someday. I want everyone, everyone to hear enter in, thou good and faithful servant. That's my goal. That's my goal. So we need to think about priorities. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are striving in vain. I don't care what pursuits you're going after. I don't care how much money you make. I don't care how much stuff you're able to buy. 
I don't care how big a house you live in. I don't care about any material thing that you have. If you have not prioritized your life by adding Jesus Christ as your Savior, everything you do is in vain. Hearing and believing, confessing Jesus Christ as your Savior, repenting from sin, being buried with Him in baptism to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and the forgiveness of sins, walking forward faithful with God, the number one priority. That's what you do. Maybe you're a Christian here this morning and you realize, you know what? Rob has hit the nail right on the head. I have got my priorities misaligned. I need to change. And I encourage you to repent. Repent and get your priorities in order. Get your house in order. Get your spiritual life in order so that you will not be refused. That door will not be shut and you will forever be on the outside wondering what happened. We're going to sing a hymn of imitation this morning. Jesus is calling. And that's just like when he came as the, uh, the bridegroom. They waited and they waited and they waited and they thought they were prepared. And 50%, according to that parable, 50% of those that waited on Jesus were unprepared. We've got about 35 people here this morning, 34. Could you imagine 50% of us unprepared? That'd be what? 17. 17 would have the door shut forever, according to this parable that Jesus taught. 17 of us sitting here this morning thinking that we were prepared are rejected. I don't want that for anybody. If you need to make a change, Jesus is calling. We're going to sing the third and the fourth verse of this hymn. Would you come as we stand and sing, please? <clears throat>